0: This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast.
1: And I'm coming to you today from Atlanta, Georgia. This is Franchise Today on Wednesday, February 5th. I'm Stan Friedman, just days away from IFA 2020. Yep, four of us from the FRM team will be heading down to Orlando. Cassidy Ford, Margaret Wise, Eric Stoll, and yours truly are all in the final stages of prep. Looking forward to seeing many of you there, but with more than 4,000 expected to be in attendance, let's not just leave that to random chance. You can find me and the team at booth 911 in the Exhibit Hall. So swing on by and say hi, and we'll look forward to seeing you in Orlando. Thanks again, too, to last week's guests, Soccer Shots co-founders Jason Webb and Jeremy Sorzano. Man, did they have a ton to share. These are two great guys, one great concept, and many bits of sage advice for the audience. Jeremy, Jason, thanks again. And now for the front of the house, let's continue with this week's expansive list of birthday wishes, With many happy returns going out to Gabriel Graciuso, Marianne O'Connell, Nina Hamida, Kim Van Wagner, Bruce Brown, Jim Squire, Tina Ramsey Romanello, Jeff Farr, Jennifer Yangu, Red Boswell, The Wing King, Drew Surza, Jesse Curry, Marcos Mora, Samantha Amato, David Louie, E.J. Martinez, David Bloom, Nathan Verkovsky, Tanya Mitchell, Laura Powers, Michael Schatzberg, Anthony Kalamunchi, Chris Swanson, and Crystal Aker. Well, that's quite a list this week. What do you say we take a quick revenue break right now and come right back with my guest, Vice President of Franchising for the iconic Honey Baked Ham Company, Horace Williams.
0: Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Hey, Stan Friedman here with a word about Transitive, an amazing marketing platform that actually delivers what others can only imagine. Accurate, dependable results that are second to none. Alright, without getting too deep into the weeds, Transitive connects franchisees' customer data from all sources, providing high-octane fuel for their marketing engines. They then deploy machine learning. Yes artificial intelligence, which identifies various customer traits and habits, attributes that would otherwise likely go unnoticed, and it segments these customers into groups. This is important because, as we know, not all customers provide your franchisees with equal dollar value. But wouldn't it be great if they could easily identify who's who? Well, that's exactly what Transitive does. And what's more, it then accurately drives the appropriate offers to each of those customer groups delivering specific, personalized messages to each of the group's customers. Just like that, your franchisees are engaged in laser-focused target marketing, delivering them much more bang for the buck. You've got to see it to believe it. So what are you waiting for? Order up a demo today and tell them I sent you. Find them online at www.transitive.io. That's www.transitive, T-R-A-N-S-I-T-I-V. Io. And my guest today is Horace Williams, Vice President of Franchising at Honey Baked Hams, a brand that's as rich in marketing and brand cachet as Horace is rich in restaurant and franchise experience. With more than four years at Honey Baked Ham and 10 more before that at Bojangles and Popeyes, Horace has experienced quite a bit on the franchise operations front. His core competencies include turnarounds and transformational growth, both with startup and high growth companies as a collective strategist with both P&L and budgetary responsibility. In fact, I know he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Horace has worn the hat of a franchisee as well along the way. With nearly another two decades of experience, from the franchisee side of the equation in the ever-competitive pizza space. Just an amazing amount of experience
2: that you bring to the Franchise Today podcast, Horace, and I welcome you. Thank you so much, Stan. I really appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you this morning. Um, you are correct. I was a franchisee for the Pizza Hut brand for 10, almost 11 years, and uh, prior to that had worked Pizza Hut for about 15 years. So I, I do have the, did have the opportunity to wear both the franchisor and the franchisees hat. And the reality of it is, Stan, I absolutely enjoyed them both.
1: Well, I want to ask you to do for the audience what I ask every guest to do at the beginning of, of the interview, is to wind us back in time and tell us how franchising found you. What were you doing when you came to the inflection point where you understood franchising to be something that you might have an interest in pursuing?
2: You know, Stan, for me, it started very young, and I I don't think I thought about it the way that I do now when I first started, but my very first job that I ever had, I was 14 years old, and I was working as a busboy at a Village Inn pizza parlor in South Carolina, and it was a franchisee, and I didn't understand everything that was going on in the franchise space at the time, but the one thing I look back on and have a full appreciation for now is the ownership that he took, not just in his business, but in each one of us employees as individuals. I can remember he and his wife being present at my school and fussing at me for not doing my homework and calling my parents to see if I did my homework. And this is before cell phones and stuff. So he'd have to call my mom's phone, home phone or call my mom at work because I, he wouldn't let me work if I didn't make good grades and his wife got everybody's report cards every semester to make sure their grades were right. And those whose grades weren't right, they couldn't be on the schedule. I don't know that that would have happened if I'd worked on the company side, but as a franchisee, because they lived in the community and his wife was also an educator. She took personal responsibility for all of us and made sure we did our work
1: today's world with labor being what it is i don't think a franchisee would be uh, hitting the filters quite that hard about who does or who doesn't come to work you know you probably need everybody you can get your hands on
2: i think you're right i think you're right but we we um we enjoyed it i i I actually got when i when i worked with him he had the one store in sumter south carolina and then when i went to college he did not have one and that's when i got on the franchisor space and started working with pizza and i still stayed in the pizza business and he actually got me a job at the Pizza Hut. When I went to college, he knew the people on the company side, and he spoke for me and got me a job at the Pizza Hut And when I went to college after I left for him. In fact, he took me over to introduce me to some of the folks over at the Pizza Hut when I first started college.
1: And so talk about the
2: progression of your career,
1: and you were obviously hands-on at a young age working on the line. And in the earlier earlier years on the franchise or franchisee, when you when you'd got into the space that you were just describing, what was the light bulb that went off and when that said, I can actually do this and, and own one and do it for me, uh, not for someone else?
2: You know, Stan, it happened over time, like it would probably to all of us. Um, when we first started, it, it was just a job and we needed the job and our responsibility was to go to college. It wasn't so much about working at the Pizza Hut. And then as I continued to grow in my career with Pizza Hut, from general manager to area manager to district manager to region manager, and I ended up going to our home office in Wichita, Kansas. They started a new diversity department, and I ended up being a director of minority franchising at Pizza Hut didn't have any idea what I was supposed to do, But I thought, okay, when I I got a promotion at a young age, that's really all that mattered. And when I get there, someone will tell me what that means. I got there. I spent some time working with our CEO or speaking to our CEO. He gave me all these big things that he wanted to do with the brand. I didn't quite understand what he was saying, but was too embarrassed to ask him. When I walked out of his office, I saw our general counsel at the time, a gentleman named Clay Smalls, and I had known him because he and I had worked on some projects and stuff together. And I remember walking in his office and said, I I need to have a better understanding of what I'm supposed to be doing. And he said, you just came from our CEO's office, didn't you? I go, yeah. He goes, it's okay. He talks over all of our heads. So he (laughs) brought me in and sets me down. And I probably spent the next six to 12 months with him gaining an in-depth knowledge of franchising. It was the most remarkable thing I think I had ever done in my life. And I never looked back. I had the opportunity to put many people in business, men, women, all ethnicities, Asian, Hispanics, African-American, all over the country. And from D.C. to in San Francisco to L.A., um, and depending on what part of the country we were in, we were certainly looking for the ethnicities and whether it was men or females to correspond and lift up that part of the country. And it was phenomenal. It gave me a new look and lease on life of what helping others were all about. Um, and during that same time, I started thinking, you know, I may want to do this myself. So I started having some conversations with some of the folks there. Clay Smalls was the first person I spoke with, the general counsel. And he said, well, we'll help you. And they did. They helped me just like we helped everyone else. Um, I didn't have a lot. You know, I, I owned a home and that was bit, probably my biggest asset. And they helped me. They helped me get a loan. They helped me do everything to get started in franchising for myself. And I first went out as an operating partner with someone else. And then five years later, I bought him out. I want
1: you back again Is it for a diversity interview. Yes. But I I don't want to let go of a question that you just popped into my head. So bring light to the fact that the IFA and the Diversity Institute and all the work that we do is usually pointed outside toward helping members of diverse communities learn about becoming franchisees. Horace, when we talk about diversity, especially at the IFA, and you know I've been working in diversity for a great many years, we typically, though, are pointing our efforts outside to those who don't realize that they can own their businesses and own their lives. And most of the focus of IFA in the world of diversity is on attracting members of diverse communities into our world as potential franchisees. As an executive, I wonder, do you feel when you come to IFA somewhat like a prospect at a discovery day may feel when they come to a program in a corporate office and find that there are very few people there that reflect them, that that look like they do. How does that feel as an executive when you lean into IFA at once a year at convention at the very least? Do you get that same kind of perspective or are you well-represented and better represented as an African-American in the African-American community and leadership at IFA?
2: No, I, I think the IFA is certainly doing a yeoman's job of turning things around and moving in the right direction. But the reality of it is, Dan, as an African-American with the IFA, it, Has a long way to go. What, What we have to do is be able to have good, frank conversations. And unfortunately, when there's not enough African Americans in positions around IFA, then that gets squandered. I think that as we continue to use IFA as a springboard to give everyone else a view of what a diverse culture looks like, and we continue to change the way we operate, then we'll give them something to see. And that's what I'd like to see from IFA, rather than just tell us about who we need to be as we try to look for different people, different cultures to bring into franchising, is we're able to show them who we are from an IFA perspective on what that looks like. And the more people we have, um, in particular African-Americans and or any other ethnicity, involved in IFA at a level to where we can impact a larger aspect of people. I think that is what IFA should be about, and and hopefully we'll continue to grow into being that. I think we're
1: going to have to get you back again and do a special edition of Franchise Today on diversity, and we can dive more deeply into this topic and go for hours on it alone. But we're going to have to circle back to Honey Baked Ham today.
2: All right, yes.
1: Which is no problem for most of the people in the audience, I'm sure. (laughs) So, Horace, walk us back through the years of the early days in pizza. We've got a pretty good glimpse of you on the franchisee side of life. How did you wind up getting over the hurdle and crossing over
2: to corporate and getting involved on the Zor side of things. You know, Stan, when we sold our, myself, and it was one of my roommates from college and um, I had a couple of other equity partners. When we sold our Pizza Huts, we actually thought we were gonna get into another brand and do something much larger. Some things transpired, we weren't able to do that. Along the way, in interviewing to purchase um, some more stores, I interviewed and ran into some executives, and one of them asked me about coming to work with them. I did. He, at that time, was uh, uh, the CEO over at Sonic Drive-In, and I spent some time there and then... Uh, ended up, he ended up going to Popeyes and I followed him to Popeyes um, Chicken and Biscuits. At that time it was called. Um, we later changed the name to Popeyes Louisiana Kitchen. But I enjoyed my time at Popeyes um, with the then CEO, Ken Kemer. I'm sure Batchelder came in later and we really, really, really started invigorating the brand as a whole. We turned the franchise community around. We did some wonderful things. and. The beauty on the franchisor side is you get to impact things from such a macro level and you get to invigorate people's lives from the franchisee side at a whole different level and from a whole different aspect. You know, there was probably two or three years there um, while I was at Popeyes that we were growing by leaps and bounds, growing international advertising, changing the scope of the brand reinventing ourselves from remodels changing our name from popeyes chicken and biscuits to popeyes louisiana kitchen there was nothing more satisfying than to be able to impact franchisees from that macro level and bring into the brand new franchisees that had not had a chance to do that before and watch how they meshed Um, the franchise board of directors um, they were excited. They were involved. And change is always difficult. Um, but when when you can get people aligned toward a common goal, then you can move through that change from a perspective that affords you an opportunity to get to the other side. As long as everyone's working toward the same goals, and that in essence is what franchising is all about. For those who would want to be um, in the franchising industry, I will tell them that you know they could light up their life and. You know, they could light up the lives of their family members that come after them. It's definitely a succession building type endeavor because you get to leave something tangible, you know, to your children and your children's children. Um, For those who are starting out in franchising for the first time, um, whether it's a franchisor um, that's looking to say, hey, do I franchise? I will tell you, it is probably one of the best vehicles. To invigorate growth what you have to remember when you're doing it is you've got to be able to build the processes and systems that prospects would want to have because that's why they come into franchising they come in because they want to make sure that those things are already in place so that they don't have to do them they rely on the franchisor to have the process systems menu innovations that will help spearhead them And they can focus on the community and operating the stores or the retail stores or the restaurants that they have. But it has changed my life. And it has certainly touched the lives of many, many through me, which is what you look to do. And, you know, when you're looking at saying, what do I want to leave when I leave this space? Is You want to leave a legacy of saying that I was able to build someone else up and change someone else's life. That's what franchising does.
1: Where's the sweet spot for you, Horace? If you were able to spend all of your time, I mean, everybody in our world, all of us in any business, There are things we do every day that we have to do, and there are things that we do every day that we love to do. And if you were to think about the love to do part of your day, what would you really just wake up with fire
2: and the ability to do every single day in the world of franchising? You know, Stan, for me, it would be what we call our development day, because that's when you're touching new people who are wanting to either get into franchising for the first time or wanting to join your brand. Those people, you get to tell the story of your brand, you get to tell the story story of what franchising is all about if they've not gotten into it before and just the glitter in their eyes because that's face to face just a glimmer in their eyes when you start talking about what can be done what the brand is all about listening to their story them telling you about why they want to be a part of the brand understanding the dynamics to go into being real you know Stan you've done this before you've got to be very real with what can and can't be done as a franchisee. Um, because some people, because of their entrepreneurial spirit, they want to do more. Franchising is really more entrepreneur, not entrepreneur. There's an entrepreneurial aspect, but you still have to follow the processes and systems of the brand because the brand is bigger than everything else that's out there. It's the brand that affords you the opportunity to kind of grow. So for me, I think the thing that I absolutely love just watching those new prospects get that light bulb turned on and get that glimmer in their eyes, I want to be a part of that. Um, and then being able to go out and touch them when they open that first store um, and just the excitement that it brews, not just for them, but for their family members. Because at that point, you know that you're making a difference and you're lifting someone else up.
1: When we come back from our break, Horace, we're going to talk more about the iconic Honey Baked Ham and the work that you're doing there. Um, and we're going to do that right now. So let's take this quick break. And we'll be right back with Horace Williams, vice president of all things franchising at Honey Baked Ham.
0: Franchise Today will be right
1: back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zorical's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zorical's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee Franchise or compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself, it's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zorical, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoricalprofiles.com. And our guest today, Horace Williams, Vice President of Franchising at Honey Baked Ham. Horace, I want to talk about Honey Baked from a consumer perspective for a few minutes before we talk more about the franchise side of life. Why don't you give us just an overview of the unique nature of this brand and the number of units that are franchised versus company-owned and the value proposition to the consumer who really doesn't care if it's company-owned or franchised. They just want their spiral ham.
2: You know, Stan, I tell you what, I, I have worked with many, many brands and have been proud to be a part of all of them. Honey Baked Ham is special. You know, this brand started over 60 years ago with a gentleman called Harry Hunsler, who actually, if you read his story, if you ever read his story, he was actually an inventor. He came into the honey ham world. He bought a ham store in Detroit, Michigan, so that he could use this barrel slice machine that he invented. And the rest from there was history our ham we you know the thing that sets us apart is we smoke our hams from anywhere from 20 to 24 hours we have all of our special seasoning we use special wood with special seasoning in the wood and it becomes a center of the table for guests around the country until i became a part of this i always tell people that I was a consumer for 20 years before I ever started working for Honey Big Ham. I knew that every time I went home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I needed to take first one ham, and then as our families grew, then two to my mother's home where I probably wasn't going to be allowed to show up. That was my job to bring the ham, and I certainly did that every time out. And that same thing plays out from a loyalty standpoint all over the country. You know, in the early days, we had lines, you know, wrapped around buildings and shopping centers of people waiting in line. The stories they told, they brought games, they enjoyed themselves in line. And and even today, we during our holiday time period, we still have that same impact. We still have people coming in. They love being there. They come back every year to the point where they still remember you, they know your name, and it doesn't matter if it's company or franchise, it's all the same. In today's environment, we have a little over 450 stores, about 215 of them are franchised, 200 are company, and we still have another 35, 36 stores uh, that's a licensee out in California. And we have an e-commerce business also where people can call in and get stuff shipped to them online. And all of this started with that gentleman who was trying to find some way to take the, his invention of a slicing machine to market, and he used HoneyBake as the way to do that. In today's world, the company is all consolidated. It's all together. Um, it's ran by one of the grandchildren. It's still a family-owned business. Linda Van Rees is our CEO, and she knows everything, Ham. I've never met an individual that's more passionate and knows more about ham than anyone I've ever met in my life. She is just incredible and she brings that enthusiasm and that knowledge base to us every day here at the Honey Bake Ham Support Center. So 450 locations, um, what geography does that span? It spans all over the country. We don't have any stores outside of the country. Um, So the majority of the stores are east of the Mississippi, um, but we've been growing west of the Mississippi at a pretty rapid rate over the last five years.
1: Do you have the same iconic value proposition to the brand from the consumer perspective in markets afar or kind of like an In-N-Out Burger or even Chick-fil-A until recently? Is the cachet of the brand regional?
2: It was more regional. you know. The un- Until four years ago, Stan, it was actually divisional. There were four grandchildren, one of being Linda Van Rees, our current CEO, and there were four different divisions, and they were all ran by each one of the grandchildren. It was just a phenomenal business. Around four, four and a half years ago, they decided they wanted to consolidate and bring it all together so that they could go to market as one because that's the way the world was moving um and so they brought them all together as one brand. We actually just started Stan doing national advertising three years ago. So just in the past three years we actually been able to market as a single brand instead of operating from the divisions the way they were operating before. Because of that, it also afforded us the opportunity to do things a little differently. Before that, we all had different aspects of our menus and stuff that were different. Now, everyone operates off of the same menu pretty much all over the country. We do have some regional preferences that are out there, in like California. There's some regional things that they have. There's even some regional things up in the Northeast that all other stores may not have. But 90 95% of our menus are all the same. And that has really kind of, Given the brand some momentum for the last three years, and we have been building on that. So, from a consumer standpoint, that's what they see. They see that everything is kind of working together, and they come to us. You know, most of what we sell every day is ham. You know, we're more retail than restaurant. We consider ourselves a retail brand. Um, We certainly have other products, we have side items, we certainly can do sandwiches and stuff for lunch, but we are more retail than we are restaurant.
1: Horace, I'm going to salute whoever it was that brought those four family members together and got their thinking unified to protect that brand. That could have been a brand that happened but became a flash in the pan instead of founders actually coming to the realization that the power of the brand is the unanimity of the experience that the customer has and gets the same experience wherever they go. Who kind of guided that
2: for them? Who
1: helped them through that?
2: You know, I believe Linda Van Rees, and I wasn't here when they first started Stan. But I believe Linda Van Reeds, um, You Reeds know, got the family members together. And it was my understanding that they had all talked about it and knew that they were going to do it. I think it was a matter of timing. Um, and they, they brought everyone together. They put they, they put what they wanted to do all together on kind of one page because they knew the strength of any brand, not just Honey Baked, but the strength of any brand is in its oneness. As they move through and, and, and any time you're pulling those things together, it does take time. Each one of them had some different vendors and stuff they were working with. That means there's contracts and stuff out there. All of us operate in a world of integrity. We're not going to shortchange anyone out of any contracts or anything that they have. Um, So they were working over time. Even though it didn't happen until May, June of 2015, it started happening two, three years before that. And then it just took that long for it all to come together. And all the work they did my goodness gracious! I I don't think any anyone around Honey, honey bake Ham expected to have seen things come together as quickly as they've been coming together over the last four years. You know, sometimes when you bring those type things together, they're the five or seven year plan. Eighteen twenty four months after, you really start seeing the validity of the brand step up and the consumers, because we were able to do more and market more and advertise differently and particularly with the national advertising, and bringing in like Joanne, who is our chief marketing officer, we brought in a new CFO. Each one of those individuals brought something to the brand that helped spearhead it into next. And the, one of the most important things that happened for us on the franchise side of our business was we reengage our franchise advisory council. We, we, they got involved in everything we've been doing. They're involved on the front end, not the back end. And they were really the ones that helped push the brand further faster because they believed in what was going on. They trusted what we were doing. And they got out not just around the support center, but all around the country. Those members of the Franchise Advisory Council went out with town hall meetings, regional meetings, to let everyone know here's where we're going and we can get here faster if we all move together. And it just transformed what we were trying to do.
1: Horace, let's spend a few minutes talking about the uniqueness of the franchise offering, because as Honey Baked to me in so many ways is a unique brand, not the least of those is how you franchise. So multi-unit and multi-flagged operators that look to buy huge swaths of territory or area development agreements in other places don't find those kinds of opportunities here, do they?
2: no they do not we're more of a we, we certainly believe in economy of scales and um, just like other brands they do we love having operators who are involved in what they do um, our sweet spot right now is probably that five to seven um, number of stores stand. We, when we first started out uh, four years ago over 84 to 87 percent of our stores were single unit operators We ended last year where 38% of our stores are owned by multi-unit operators. Most of our growth comes from within. Over 68 69% of our growth come from internal candidates. The reason that was so important and the reason we went down that road and, and we had this conversation with our franchise advisory council, if we're not building a product to where our internal franchisees want to experience growth with us, then we need to go back and check that product. And as we tailored what we did to scale ourselves over the next 36 to 48 months, even now we're still targeting our internal candidates. And those candidates that we're bringing in from the outside, they get mentored heavily by our internal candidates to get them up to that second and third store as quick as possible. So we're more in the multi operators category than multi developers category
1: and you guys are really really rich in culture so i know that as a brand your size you sometimes tend to lose touch with people at the higher levels of the c-suite but Your role inside of Honey Baked is, I think, as much as you are on the operations side, I think you, as far as relationship management, are unique to a brand your size. Talk a little bit about the day in the life that you spend keeping that balance.
2: And a lot of it, Dan, is just on those terms you just used. It's about the relationship. That's what franchising is. And you can't have a relationship with people if you're not involved in what they're doing every day. You know, I often tell my team members that you can impress people because I read this and I believe it was Rick Warren who said it, Stan. It says you can impress people from a distance, but you must be close to influence them. Franchising is about influence. If I want to influence you, I've got to understand you. I've got to know you. I've got to spend time with you. So we spend a lot of time on the road getting to know franchisees, whether they're in West Virginia or whether they're in Seattle, Washington, and we go where they are. Um, and and some, of, some of those are difficult to get there. Many of our franchisees, they started off in some of the secondary markets, but we go where they are. Um, I spent the first two years trying to make sure that I could touch every store in our brand, and we were unique that way. We didn't have a large number of stores, we had around a 200 numbers, so we were unique to where. I could say over the next 24 months I will touch every store and speak with every franchisee and pull them in and when we can do that and we go to our town halls and our regionals and bring them together and they know their voice counts that's what makes the difference for us I know in order to make franchising work here at Honey Bay Ham around the industry but here at Honey Bay Ham the thing that we push forth whether it's at the support center or our field team member, is you have to earn the respect. You know, you have to be honest, you have to be upfront. And when you can do that, you gain people trust. And many of us read Stephen Covey's old book about the speed of trust. There's never been anything more accurate than his writings in his book, The Speed of Trust. The more people trust you, the faster you can get to where you need to go. You heard me earlier speak about three years ago deciding we wanted to do national advertising. Once we got together on that, we got our Franchise Advisory Council together. The Franchise Advisory Council and myself and our CMO, Joanne Hur, went out into the marketplace. Three weeks after we started that trek, we had well over 82 85% of the franchisees signed up because they trusted the direction we were going. It did not mean they didn't have questions. We were out there to answer their questions. But within three weeks, when I say done, I mean amendments were signed and we were off to the races to start national advertising.
1: Horace, there's something else about your brand that is particularly unique to me. It kind of reminds me of the tax preparation business where you've got a short window of opportunity each year to make most of your revenue. baked has got that same kind of an, a seasonality to it. How do you explain that to somebody who is going to make maybe eighty percent of their year's revenue in in a few short weeks.
2: Yes, we do. We do the majority of our business at the holidays between Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then Easter. Um, we are very seasonal that way. We are very upfront about it when we come when they come in. We utilize everything in the FDD. To- have people understand that better. We won't even let them come to Discovery Day until they've told us that they've talked to somewhere between three and five franchisees. We never tell them who to speak to. You go talk to them, you go sit down with them, you go ask them about this business, you go ask them about the seasonality so that you have a better understanding from a cash flow standpoint what you're up against. When you can call us back and tell us you've had those conversations and in that, in, in you speaking, we can hear, and as we're listening, we know that you have a better appreciation for it. Then we invite you to Discovery Day because we know how critical that is. And then once once you sign on board, we assign you a mentor. Eight out of ten times, it's one of our Franchise Advisory Council team members. If there's someone closer to you who's willing to give up their time, because as a mentor, you have to give up your time and be involved with that new franchisee because it is so seasonal. Just hiring the number of employees you're going to need for those short windows to make sure you can deliver on the promise that we've given for consumers to come and partake of our brand. You need that extra protection. Our internal team members are there with you all along the way, but there's nothing like that mentor to help you through that seasonality. Uh,
1: We're kind of quickly running out of time. I wanted to ask for a look into the future, if you would. I noticed that more and more of your locations are kind of opening with a cafe feel. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that that lunchtime business side and what upside potential you see there.
2: We certainly see that part of our business continuing to grow. We know that we're still going to be retail stand, but you're absolutely correct. You know, that's a part of the business that's really been growing for us. Um, we're building all of our stores with a space for lunch. Um, that wasn't the case in the past. We know that our product serves well at lunch. We do a great catering office catering offer um, from lunch to all aspects of our business. Lunch and catering has really kind of spirited us in particular in our off season, and we know that that's the direction for us in the future. We've just got a new prototype out um, that we're working on now. We've opened the first prototype in Alpharetta, Georgia. And we know that we've got some more coming. We'll build another three to four around the Atlanta market. Those two will have that lunch aspect built onto it. A couple of those will actually do remodels so they won't be stored from from ground up. And we'll add on even more space from an internal standpoint to take on the the lunch crowd. We believe that the brand is right on the cusp of something even much larger and much greater. We often look at ourselves inside the brand and say, you know, Harry Hunsler, when he started this brand, brought us, he set it up to bring us to this point for these 60 years. All of the leaders here at this blend believe it's our responsibility to kind of take that and transfer it for the next 60 years.
1: Horace, I can't let you get away without leaving contact info for those whose lives you've touched today may want to get back in touch
2: with you. Yes, if anyone can reach me, they can reach me at hwilliams at hbham, that's for Honey Bake, Ham. Ham, hwilliams at hbham.com, or they can call me at 678-966-3270 we really 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 would look forward to speaking with you we can talk to you about the opportunities for growth here at the honey Baked ham brand and or if there's anything that we can do to or that i can do to help you in what you're doing even if just to give you some context if you're looking for things and ways to kind of set your brand up from a process and system standpoint we certainly lend our expertise to those the reality of this stand and we didn't talk about this is that's how I first got involved with Honey Baked Ham when they started franchising back in the 2006-2007 time frame. They were buying a different brand. I knew some of the players here and I came over to help them set up franchise.
1: It's a great story. It's a great brand and you're a great guy, Horace. And I thank you for sharing some time with us today and I look forward to seeing you in here in less than a week down at the IFA 2020 in Orlando. Horace Williams, Vice President of Franchising for Honey Baked Ham. Thank you so much, Dan. Always enjoy my time with Horace Williams and appreciate him spending the time with us in front of IFA. Next week, I'll be airing an encore performance as the entire franchise world will be in Orlando for the convention. I will, however, be recording a special episode of Franchise Today On-site at the convention itself, featuring Chuck Runyon and Dave Mortensen, co-founders, CEO, and president of Self-Esteem Brands. Chuck and Dave began building their empire with Anytime Fitness, which now is sitting north of 4,000 locations worldwide and under the umbrella of SE Brands, which is an acronym for Self-Esteem Brands. They are continuing to grow and acquire a portfolio of brands, including... Waxing the City, Base Camp Fitness, The Bar Method, Holiday Contributions, and Provision Security. The interview will come up on Wednesday, February 19th, right here on Franchise Today. Remember, you can subscribe to Franchise Today at Blog Talk Radio, and that you can download us from iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and virtually any place that podcasts are found. Please remember, too, that you can ask Alexa to play the latest episode of Franchise Today, Please like us on Facebook, and remember, I'd love to hear from you with recommendations for guest interviews, as well as your thoughts, comments, or anything that you'd like to share. All of my contact info is easily found on my LinkedIn profile, so I'll hope to see you in Orlando, and I'll be back with Chuck Runyon and Dave Mortensen on Wednesday, February 19th. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out.